Previously on The Storyteller, Naked Villainy, Kit Harrison's strange encounter with Brenda's neighbour. In that moment when I looked at where his hands were going to meet my hands, I had black leather gloves on. Leading forensic scientists said sperm fluid couldn't be transferred. Well, it isn't possible to transfer acid phosphatase as a, as a stain, for example, because that's been applied as a liquid. And the jury was reminded only two people were detected at the murder scene by the science. Was there any DNA from anyone other than Brenda Page or Christopher Harrison? Not that I'm aware of. It's taken 45 years to bring a killer to court. And for the first time in UK history, you'll hear the full murder trial and witness justice being done. It was a brutal murder of a brilliant woman who was a rising star in genetic research. It would now be almost like a script from Morse. The investigators swarming over the, the dreaming spires of university land. There was kind of palpable feeling of evil in the air. I was told it was just a massive blood in here. Two decades on from confronting evil. So did you kill your ex-wife Brenda Page? Evil is being confronted by the law. Did you kill her? No. She knew it was coming. He said he was going to kill her. If he killed her, he would do it so that nobody would know. Will his true nature be unmasked? Are you familiar with the tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? And can Brenda's own words help secure her killer's fate? A letter of a death foretold. This is the storyteller, Naked Villainy, written, produced and edited by me, Isla Traquair. The Crown case was approaching the finish line with its last witness waiting in the wings. But before she was called, it was announced a second joint minute had been agreed and there would be a few surprises in store. So ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, a joint minute just as the first joint minute that you had read to you, you may remember, at the beginning of the Crown case. And this sets out certain agreed facts that you will require to take into account when you begin your consideration and deliberation on matters. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Advocate Deputy, is uh, Miss Morgan to read the joint minute. I invite Lordship to permit that. Yes. Thank you. Please, will you proceed? Thank you. In the High Court of Judiciary, Joint Minute of Agreement number two. In the case, His Majesty's Advocate against Christopher Merlin Harnett Harrison, <coughs> the accused. The Advocate Deputy for the Crown and Davidson for the accused concur in stating to the court that the following facts are agreed and should be admitted in evidence. The first agreed point was confirming the photos of a beige mini motor car was that of the one owned by Brenda Page in 1978. The second was the photos of the green mini motor traveller which was owned by Kit Harrison in 1978. The third was that on the 20th of April, 1973, Brenda Page attended Edinburgh Royal Infirmary with a reported concussion. Fourth was agreeing that the scientific reports, samples and materials analysed were accurately described by what they are and from where, when and from who they were obtained. Five, 
on or around 1st November 1976. Brenda Page answered a newspaper advert seeking escorts to join Capital Escorts. Brenda Page was thereafter engaged in providing escort services with Capital Escorts for approximately two years. On average, she acted as an escort once every fortnight. Capital Escorts had a policy whereby escorts could not meet with the same client on more than three occasions. Six, at approximately 20 hundred hours on Thursday 13th July 1978, Capital Escorts received a call from a male seeking to book two escorts for later that evening to escort two males named Archibald Cormack and Jack Welsh. Capital Escorts were unable to arrange two escorts. Brenda Page agreed to escort the two males alone. An arrangement was made for Brenda Page to attend at the Treetops Hotel at 2200 hours. Brenda Page used her own vehicle to drive to and from the appointment. 7. On 19th August 1977, 20th August 1977 and 24th August 1977, Stephen Smith engaged the services of Brenda Page as an escort through Capital Escorts. On the first two occasions, Brenda Page used her own vehicle to travel to and from the arranged appointments with Stephen Smith. After the three meetings which were arranged through Capital Escorts, Brenda Page and Stephen Smith arranged to meet out with the agency. Brenda Page and Stephen Smith met up a further four or five times. Stephen Smith visited Brenda Page at her home address, 13 Allen Street, Aberdeen, on approximately three occasions. On one of those occasions, Brenda Page and Stephen Smith engaged in sexual intercourse at her home address. Eight, on 14th September 1977, Nicholas Ashton engaged the services of Brenda Page as an escort through Capital Escorts. An appointment was arranged for approximately 20 hundred hours that evening. Brenda Page drove her own vehicle to and from the appointment. On 15th September 1977, Nicholas Ashton and Brenda Page arranged to meet up out with the agency. At approximately 17 hundred hours, Brenda Page attended at the Royal Darrock Hotel to meet with Nicholas Ashton, who was staying at the hotel. Brenda Page and Nicholas Ashton engaged in sexual intercourse whilst in his hotel room. 9. When Council have put police statements or parts of police statements to witnesses, the words have been accurately recorded at the time by the police as having been said by the witness. Signed in respect whereof, Advocate Depute and Davidson, Counsel for the Accused. As Judge Lord Richardson explained, the details contained were accepted by both sides as fact. The most surprising, although no expansion was made on it, was that Brenda had had sex with some of the men she'd met through the agency. I feel it's important to mention that I knew of this from the police from the time of the documentary. What they'd learned was that if she liked a man, 
and wanted to spend time with him out with the paid arrangement, she would. Much like a dating app these days, except the introduction was different. The jury, however, would receive no information about the context. And without a moment to take all the information in, Detective Sergeant Vanessa Rennie was called. She'd been assigned to Operation Clarity in 2015 and played a key role in Kit Harrison's arrest and subsequent interview. An interview we were finally going to hear. Kit had rarely looked anywhere except from forward or his A4 notepad, which he scribbled in throughout each day. But he did turn and look at DS Rennie as she stood in the witness box. Their encounter from three years ago was about to be shown on the screens. Did you attend at Mr Harrison's address? I did, yes. What address was that? Mile End Place. Is that number 12? Yes, sorry. What time did you attend? Um, 7.55 in the morning. Okay. And after some attempts, were you able to speak with Mr Harrison? After some attempts, yes. We had to force entry to the address. All right. Would you recognise Mr Harrison if you saw him? I would, yes. Could you point to him if you see him today? Yeah, it's the gentleman sitting in the box there. Thank you. Was he told of the purpose of the police visit? Yes, he was. And what was said to him? He was advised that there was an evidential search warrant in existence for his address and that it was in relation to the murder of Brenda Page. Thank you. Was he cautioned? He was. Did he make any reply at that stage? Not at that stage, no. She explained he was taken to a custody suite and he was allowed to have access to a solicitor to have a private consultation before the interview. The interview started just before 2pm and concluded five hours later. However, there were breaks. This was filmed and played to the court. It begins by his rights being explained and I'm keeping it all in because he interrupts keen to read a statement and although he says he'll make no further comment, he does not stick to this. Okay, the time is 13.49 hours on day the 17th of March 2020. I am Detective Constable Rennie and this other officer present is Detective Constable Orman. We're both of the major investigation team, Specialist Crime Division of Police Scotland. I will ask other persons present in the room to identify themselves. Mr Harrison, could you identify yourself? I'm Dr. Christopher Harris, and my date of birth is the 10th of December 1914. I was born in Ripon in Yorkshire. Thank you. And your solicitor present? Peter Shepherd. At this time, we are inter- in interview room number five at Kitty Brewster Custody Suite, Great Northern Road, Aberdeen. Mr. Harrison, I know you briefly said it there just now, but can, for the purposes of the DVD, can you just confirm your name? Christopher Harrison. Do you have any middle names? Merlin, Arnett. And your age? 80. And your date of birth? 10, 12, 40, and just a few months short of 80. So 79 past December. And your occupation? Retired research scientist. And your address? 12 Mile End Place, Aberdeen. Okay, to make you aware of this interview, you're obviously aware that it's being recorded on DVD in this room, which is all audio, um, and there's video cameras placed around the room as well. Um, during the interview, if you just try to talk as clearly as you can, just so that everything is picked up. Um, if there's any time that we feel that perhaps 
it wasn't picked up or there was mumbles or whatever, then I may ask you to repeat it then. But also to make you aware, this interview may be monitored either in part or full by officers situated in this police station or elsewhere. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay. And when I'm saying that you understand, could you explain to me what you understand that to mean when I'm telling you other people might be watching it? There are other people elsewhere in Aberdeen who may be looking in and seeing what's going on during the interview. Yeah, that's fine, thank you. Okay, Mr Harrison, prior to the commencement of this interview, you were provided with your pre-interview review of rights. That's in relation to your solicitor access. Is this correct? Yes. Um, I will go through them with you in a moment, um, but if at any time during this interview um, you require to have the interview temporarily stopped in order to consult with Mr Shepherd, then please ask us and we will suspend the interview and we will accommodate that for you. What I would like to do is make a statement to start off with. Okay. We will, yep, we will come to that. So just that part there so if you feel at any time you want to stop and us to facilitate your consultation with Mr Shepherd, you, you understand that? I do. Okay I'll just go through your review of rights just now. Before beginning this interview under section 31 of the Criminal Justice Scotland Act 2016 I must remind you of certain information please listen carefully. Um, so when when you were brought into police custody, you were asked, you were, you have been arrested on suspicion of, and it was in relation to various domestic assaults um, on your ex-wife Brenda Page, murder and attempts to defeat the ends of justice. Um, you were told that you were under no obligation to say anything other than to provide your name, date of birth, place of birth, nationality and address. And when you were taken into police custody, you um, confirmed that you understood that. Is that correct? Yes, but I would like to make a statement about this. Yeah. We're just coming to that we'll part. To that. Yeah. So we're just, what this is just now, remember when you were brought in and we were at the charge counter when we first came in and one of our other colleagues booked you in and he asked you a series of questions in relation to if you wanted a solicitor told. Yes. That's just reviewing this, just to confirm on tape again that you have been offered those rights. Yes. <clears throat> you were also asked if you would like intimation of your arrest and the place where you were you were in custody sent to a person reasonably named by you um, and confirmed that you understood that. You were also told that you were, so you were asked, do you want me to contact a lawyer and inform them that you're being held by question in being held in question in connection with an offence. He confirmed he was allowed to access a solicitor who was present in the interview and that he understood. Okay, Mr Harrison. Um, before we start the questioning, I'll caution you. Um, you're going to be asked questions about various domestic assaults during your relationship with your ex-wife, Brenda Marilyn Page. Her subsequent murder and attempts to defeat the ends of justice. You are not bound to answer, but if you do, your answers will be recorded and may be noted and may be used in evidence. Do you understand the caution? I do understand the caution. Okay, thank you. Um, Mr Harrison, can you tell me about your involvement in the death of Brenda Page? 
I had no involvement whatsoever in the death of Brenda Page. I would like to say that I loved Brenda Page very much. We were divorced in October 1977. There were no prior assaults on Dr. Brenda Page by myself or by anybody else as far as I know. And I was deeply saddened by her murder and I'm still very, very sad that she uh, died. And I had nothing whatever to do with it. Are you able to describe the incident which led to the death of Brenda Page? No, I would uh, like at this point to say that I've answered all of these questions on a previous occasion. And I don't have anything further to say on that matter. I refer you to my solicitor entirely. So, I understand what you have said. Um, it's important that you realise that it's the responsibility and duty of the police to ask questions. You have decided not to answer any further questions. However, you should understand that if there is any explanation or version of events that you can give, the police will follow this up and investigate fully what you say. If there is anything you can tell us which can assist in letting us know what happened, now is an opportunity for you to tell us. Do you understand what I've just said? I do. If indeed you have not had any involvement in the death of Brenda Page, this interview is an opportunity for you to provide us with information that would assist us in eliminating you as a suspect from the inquiry. Do you understand this? I do. Is there anything you wish to tell me right now before I go on? There's not. Okay, Mr. Harrison. Could you tell me about your ex-wife, Brenda Page? How did you meet her? No comment. How long had you known her for? No comment. When did you marry her? No comment. What kind of person was she? Not me. And what kind of person are you? Ugly. What do you mean by that? I broke the camera next door. <laughs> oh, did it out? <laughs> How would you describe the relationship that you had with Brenda? Mostly good. There was a knock at the door, someone entering by mistake. They carry on. 2020. So we're just speaking there, Mr Harrison, um, about how you would describe your relationship with Brenda. What was your relationship with Brenda like at the beginning? Good. Was it a normal relationship? No further comment. So it was nineteen seventy two. Can you tell me about your life in nineteen seventy two when you met Brenda? No. Where did you live? In Edinburgh. Can you remember your address in Edinburgh? I can. What was it? 44 West 7th Terrace. 
And how long was it before you moved in together? He answers no comment very quietly, just to explain the audio quality was not great, and despite enhancing it to reduce the buzz, when he mumbles it's difficult to amplify due to the buzzing. But you can trust me that the quiet mumbles will either be a no, no comment, or no further comment. He does raise his voice for the questions he answers, and if it's unclear, I will interrupt to clarify what is said. What was your relationship like when you moved in together? Did it change after you moved in together? So when you lived in Edinburgh, where did you work? Edinburgh University. Uh, what was it you did at Edinburgh University? Research. Research. And where did Brenda work? Glasgow. And what did Brenda do at that time? No problem. Where did you socialise? No problem. Who did you socialise with? No problem. Did you drink alcohol? No. Uh, what about Brenda? Did she drink alcohol? No. Did you and Brenda argue? No. Did you ever argue? No comment. Did your arguments ever get out of hand if you did argue? No. Did you ever have any physical arguments? No. So going back, could you tell me about 1972 to 1976? How was your relationship with Brenda then? No did it change any? No. Did you argue? Did you argue more or less? Can you tell me anything about your life then? Where did you live between 1972 and 1976? Edinburgh and Aberdeen. Okay, so when can you remember when you moved to Aberdeen? July 1974. Okay, and where, what was your address when you moved to Aberdeen? 12 Mile End Place. So still the same address as you're at now. And where did you work when you moved to Mile End Place? I worked at Marshall College. I bought the house where it is because that was closer to my wife's place of work. Okay. She had 10 minutes to get to work and okay. I had half an hour. Okay. So where did your wife work then? No comment. How would you describe your temper, Mr. Harrison? Even. Pardon? Even. Even. What do you mean by that? Like the snow in Good King Wenceslas. Pardon? Like the snow in Good King Wenceslas. Okay, you'll need to... Explain that a bit more for me. Like the snow diving more, it's even. It's even. Okay. So would you say you have a temper? No. In case you didn't catch that, he said, like the snow in Good King Wenceslas. The lyrics are deep and crisp and even. He also refers to Aviemore in the Scottish Highlands, a place known for snowfall in the Cairngorm mountain range in winter. Do you ever have a temper? Brenda told the witness that she believed, she thought, she was planning to destroy him. And by that, means destroy you. She told the witness that she, she believed, you thought, she was planning to destroy you. Perfectly possible. I couldn't uh, comment on that at all. We were divorced in 77. Why... 
Why did you feel that she thought that? I never said that I did. Okay. When did she think of it? No comment, I've no idea. How, how was money? Did you struggle at all for money? We had a divorce settlement. Okay. Money was all sorted out, so it was everything else. She lived her life, I lived mine. Prior to the divorce, when you were still together, how was, how was money then? He answered, no problem. And for the next three questions, how much did he earn? Where did Brenda work? And how much did she earn? He answered, no comment. So 12 mile into place, the, the, the marital home, whose responsibility was it to run the marital home? Who paid the mortgage for 12 mile into place in Aberdeen? I did. Okay, and who paid the bills? I did. Was money tight at all? No comment. What did you spend your money on? I didn't. Did you ever buy anything at all? Not not. So what would you do with your money? No comment. What did Brenda spend her money on? No comment. Could you tell me a bit about your education, Mr Harrison? He leans over to his solicitor and he most likely was advised to exercise his right to say no comment. But Kit Harrison makes a joke. Advice says, tell you anything you like. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't say that at all. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Just about your education. Yes, Obviously, if you want to speak to Mr Shepherd, then... He leans over again to his solicitor and possibly ignores his advice again. Go on. Would you like to tell me about your education? Uh, I went to, I had a scholarship and attended Queen's College, Cambridge and read science. Okay, when was that? Um, 1959 to 1963. Mm-hmm. And then what else did you do after that? Any further education? Took a doctorate, PhD in Edinburgh. Okay. And I think you said earlier when you were getting booked in, did you spend time in the Royal Navy, was it? I did, yes. Yeah, um, when was that? From 1964 until 1969. Okay. What did you do when you were in the Navy? Research. Oh, research as well. Okay. What did you research then? Submarines. Okay. So, where, where did you study? You obviously studied in Cambridge. Did you study anywhere else? I had to sign the Official Secrets Act. None of this stuff I should be telling you. So, um, well, we need to know about the Royal Navy. I just wondered what you did. I wasn't sure if you researched in the Royal Navy or if, did, you, yes. if you did something else. You can hear the detectives are trying to build a rapport with him. This is part of their job during an interview with a suspect to normalise the conversation and get them talking. Asking about his career and education appeals to his ego and he becomes far more animated. Um, Cambridge, Royal Navy, you obviously came to Aberdeen. Did you go anywhere else to study? No. I taught at Harvard University. All right, okay. And how long was that for? Uh, Three years. Okay. Um, And what brought you back to the UK? An aeroplane. Did you enjoy it out there? Tell me how Brenda viewed your academic achievements. No comment. 
did you struggle to find employment or research at all? How did Brenda view your employment and your research? No comment. I've no way of knowing. That's a really question which nobody could answer. Did she ever share her views with you? I couldn't get into your shoes and from your position be critical about me. It's a very difficult thing to do and if you're self-analysing yourself the whole time you've got a pretty uncomfortable relationship with yourself. Okay. Is it fair to say you maybe struggled no. to get employment after you got no, your PhD? Not, not at all. So what have you done then since you got your PhD? Research. Research? Yes. You have worked? Yes. Okay. And who was that with? No comment. How did Brenda view you struggling with work? You say that I was struggling. That's what you say. I, I don't say that I was struggling at all. It wasn't a struggle. How did, did it take so long for you to get your PhD? It didn't take long for me to get my PhD. I was doing a PhD in Edinburgh and doing research work in Aberdeen. Okay. So would you, would you consider yourself to be brighter maybe than Brenda? No comment. Yes, there is a comment. I don't think anybody could have been brighter than Brenda. She's an exceedingly bright star in her firmament. That is why I'm desperately sad that she died when she did, that she had a brilliant career in front of her. It's, it's, it's tragic that she died. How did she view your career? I have no idea. And I really, I couldn't care less what she thought. I know what I think of myself and I do my best. And that's all that anybody <coughs> on God's earth can ever do. It's surely been, like that... Brenda was your wife, and you're saying it doesn't matter what anyone else thought, but surely it People, when they're married, don't usually try to undermine each other. I certainly would never do that for anybody. I, I'm sure that she was a very kind and good-natured person and wouldn't do that for anybody else either. If she said otherwise to other people, I have no way of knowing what she said, and I have no interest either. Well, what she said was she said that you, we've been told that she thought you were a failure. Well, that's her opinion. Were you aware that that was her opinion? No comment. You might get the sense of a bit of good cop, bad cop going on as Thomas Gorman pushes him on some touchy subjects like being jealous of Brenda's career. You frustrated by Brenda's career? Not at all. Maybe being slightly more successful than yours? No. Really? Jealous of it? No. Explain to me why you thought Brenda had stolen your research. I've never heard anything so ludicrous. I think the answer is uh, that's the end of that one. It's ridiculous. No comment. In case you didn't catch that, he said, I've never heard anything so ludicrous. And I think that's the end of that one. He also says ridiculous and leans over to Slister, then says no comment. Explain to me why you thought that Brenda was making life difficult for you at the university. I didn't say that. Um, can you explain to me why people thought you gave the impression of being jealous of Brenda, especially around her career? Laughable. Why is it laughable? I personally believe that women have had a hard time and it's time that they got uh, a 
and even shortages. I'd be delighted if somebody like my wife had a brilliant career. Nobody could be more pleased. She was a brilliant scientist, no, no doubt of that. She had other personal failings, which is obvious if she really did say the things which you just said, but they don't uh, touch me in any way. Everybody on God's earth has to do the best they possibly can with the limitations they have. And all this rubbish, it doesn't prickle me or interest me in any way at all. It's complete nonsense. I don't want to talk about uh, that in any way. But the impression that uh, you're trying to give is simply not correct. Okay. Going back to 1976, Mr. Harrison, what cars did you drive in 1976? Cars with a, I just had a, a Morris Minor estate car, that's all. Okay, so just the one car? With one flying dustbin with a lot of junk in the back. Okay. Good, so you've obviously kind of described it there, but could you tell me about your, your Mini Traveller? No. Um, was it a green coloured Mini Traveller? Registration mark LVA 426E for Echo that you drove in? Yes. Yeah. And you still drove that in 1978? I did. How long did you own it for? He mumbles to Slister, are we getting into deep water? And he replies, no. What, what condition was your car in? Dreadful. Just like his owner. Okay. Why was it dreadful? Oh, it was a bit of a flying dustbin. I bought it second hand. Okay. In Glasgow. Uh-huh. It was a good Quaker firm, like all my family. Uh-huh. And they did, uh, I got a survey by the AA. And they said, don't buy it. I said, don't be as bad as all that. And I bought it. You bought it anyway. So how long did it do you for? Ever. Oh, forever. When did you get rid of it? Uh, I think when I went to work in Switzerland. Okay, when was that? Uh, January 79. January 79. Were you in Switzerland for long? Yes. How long? Long. What were you doing in Switzerland? Research. Okay. Did anyone else have access to your Mini Traveller motor car? Would you have given it to somebody to help them out? Or what we're saying is, would you have any of anybody else have had access to it to drive it somewhere? Would you have given the keys to somebody, or would you? Have just been your car for you. If my wife had wanted the car, then she could have had the keys. No problem. Anybody else? <clears throat> Just you and your ex-wife. Would Brenda, was Brenda in your vehicle during July 1978? She was. Mm -hmm. her, her car was in the Holland Street garage and I met her in the car park at Forrester Hill and she said I'm in a pickle I need to go and pick up my car um, and I said shall I give you a lift to, to the Holland Street garage mm -hmm. so she, I drove her to the Holland Street garage okay. 
Can you remember when that was? Uh, I ran back the seventh of July. But the seventh? Yeah. Okay. How can you be that specific? How, what, is there anything that makes you remember that? It was just after okay. I'd had my final exam for my PhD in Edinburgh. Okay. And the reason that I was in the car park in Forest Hill is that I was returning books to libraries. Okay. Yeah. So you said Brenda was in a bit of a pickle because her car was in the garage. What kind of car did Brenda have? She had a green Morris Mini. She had a Mini as well. Was it the same as your vehicle? I honestly don't know because I think she changed cars around about that time. I, I, I really have no details on what vehicle she had at all. I simply knew that she, her car was in for a service in Holland Street and I took it to the garage and said, uh, are you going to be okay now? And uh, that was that. Okay, so you think that was around about seven? Yes. Did anyone else have access to your vehicle? Specifically, around about the 13th and 14th of July 1978. Well, no. And where was your vehicle overnight on the 13th of July 1978? Parked in front of my house. Where was your vehicle on the 14th of July 1978? I personally took an early train down to Edinburgh to return books. Okay. So, where would your vehicle have been? Uh, I missed the train at uh, Aberdeen and I took the train at uh, Stonehaven. Okay. So your car would have been parked where? In, in front of the railway station at Stonehaven. So here we've got Brenda's Mini Clubman motor car. Can you tell me anything about that? It was registration number HMT595K that she had in 1978? Nothing at all, because I think she bought a new car. I, think, I have no idea, I have no details of her comings and goings. I'm divorced at this time, I let her get on with her life, and she let me get on with mine. Okay. Were you ever inside that vehicle? No comment. I, I really, genuinely couldn't answer anywhere. I'm even racking my brains that uh, I don't think so is the answer. Um, we'll just move on to the kind of next bit if you yeah. want. Um, did you have any other girlfriends when you were uh, with Brenda? No comment. Did Brenda have any affairs when you were married? No comment. Describe your sexual relationship with Brenda. No. Did you have sex? Yes. Often? No comment. Regular thing or was it just when the mood took you or? He mumbles to his solicitor again, questioning the relevance of this line of inquiry and replies no comment. Sex at 13 Allen Street? No, I didn't. 
Sure. Absolutely certain. When else did we serve? I'm divorced at this stage. We're leading our separate lives. Okay, so no physical contact at all. No. When was the last time you had? Remember the last time you had sex with Brenda? No. You're getting a bit annoyed about that. It's getting fairly personal, isn't it? And uh, <coughs> I can't answer the things that you're asking me. You're asking me uh, questions that, about a period when I'm a divorced man. It really doesn't make any sense. Okay. When I asked you about the car, though, you were quite specific. You could remember that you picked it up on the 7th of July. So you've obviously got a good memory when it comes to things like dates and things like that. I didn't pick my car up on the 7th. 7th of no, July, she I was returning books in Forest yeah. Hill, yeah. and for the next week I was returning books to various libraries mm-hmm. after so, finishing my PhD, mm-hmm. which is a complete nightmare, as you would know if you had taken a PhD quite recently, and it's no joke, you're stressed and you're tired, and you need simply to get on with the life that you've got left. Mm-hmm. So if you can remember that, you, you, you must be able to remember when you last had sex with Brenda. No comment. Did you ever ejaculate at 13 Allen Street? We've had that one already. Okay, so what you said earlier was absolutely not. That's not the case yet. You're nodding your head. No comment. They stopped at this point and skipped to a section further on in the interview. I'm also going to stop here, as there's still a long way to go, and Dr. Harrison talks more and more the further they get into the interview. At times it's hard to believe this was a man being asked about his ex-wife's murder. The flippant remarks, jokes and bizarre references to his temper being like even snow. And when asked what brought him back to the UK after working at Harvard, he replied, aeroplane, most likely knowing the detective had meant the reason and not the mode of transport. But you can't help but find him affable at times, self-deprecating, comparing himself to his dreadful car. The question is, what would the jury think? Charming, eccentric old man, or deceptive and manipulative killer. In the next episode of the storyteller Naked Villainy, Kit claims he was not jealous about Brenda's escort work. You can try and make people jealous, so that's what you want to do, but it doesn't always succeed. And certainly not jealous, I'm just sad. He denied knowledge of the watch strap in the fireplace. I don't know of any watch strap and I don't know of any blood. I certainly wouldn't have had time to burn anything in the grate in my own house. And then accuses police of planting evidence. Police took my car, though the police had scratched my car and left paint residue in Allen Street. I really wouldn't know, but after, after this interview, I wouldn't put anything part of it.
If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review as it makes a huge difference to guiding people to hearing this important story. This is an entirely independent production and your support is greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear exclusive interviews, longer episodes and insights, please head to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. This is a piece of history and you are for the first time in this format witnessing justice being done.